<laughs> here. No, what I mean too is too much trumpets. Yes, no, I understand. No, no, I mean, I mean, yes. <laughs> Do you hear me well now? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hurdy Gurdy Cafe, an hour of interviews, music, and camaraderie. I'm Ryan, and I'll be your host along this crazy adventure through the land of the wheel fiddle. So strap in, and let's see what's cranking in the hurdy-gurdy community today. We already did it, and now we're doing it again. Exactly. <laughs> take three. <laughs> I, I think we do. I think maybe not start with the story. We take it again. Okay. <laughs> I will play, tell it to you later. But... Okay. Okay, 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 okay. Hold on, hold on. Let me, okay. let me, let me write take, this down. Take I four. think you're doing it great, Ryan. <laughs> you're welcoming, and I really... This never happens, eh? This never happens. Ryan, Ryan is intimidated by you or something. I, I, I am, know. actually. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to the Hurdy Gurdy Cafe podcast. This is season two, and we're on episode two. And uh, we have the wonderful Sergio Gonzalez joining us again today. Hello, everybody. Welcome, Sergio. And a very, very, very special guest, uh, Johannes Gorkian Hellman. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for the invitation. Nice to be here with you. Yes, it's wonderful. I've been looking forward to this, and I know Sergio has as well. Um, Before we get into the actual discussion uh, that we're going to be having today, the the conversation, um, I'd like to start out by listening to uh, one of your tracks, uh, 100 Years uh, of Joy and Sorrow, and that's a track that you did with Symbio, correct? That's correct. And your accordion player, um, his name is Lars Emil. How do you pronounce his last name? Uh, that's great because both of us has these weird last names when we go out to play internationally. His name is Oyebayet, or maybe in English Oyebayet. Okay, and so is that also a two two name thing uh, like yours? Uh, no, that's one name, but he has two names in the beginning of his name. Oh right, so, uh, large <laughs> okay. image. So I have two in the last one. So. Okay, well you can tell us about that a little bit later. Let's have a listen to the track and um, see what see what you've got to share with us. Let's do it.
so we're back again with Sergio and Johannes, and we just finished listening to a Symbio track, 100 Years of Joy and Sorrow. It's one of my favorite tracks. I'm, I'm just curious, Fantastic. what was the inspiration behind it? What, where did it come from for you? <clears throat> uh, we compose all of our music by ourselves, and usually we compose it somehow together. Maybe someone has an idea, a little idea of a melody or a riff or something, and then we bring it to the rehearsal space and things starts to create. Mm. So we created this piece together in um, end of 2017. We recorded it 2018 in March, uh, and it's the second album, Rising, which this is featured on. So sometimes we have an idea about what the, what the story is for the music, but I think usually we create the music and then we feel what, what is the story behind this? What could it be about? <laughs> What am I reminded about? And actually, this song is really nice because the name came from a person in the audience. Because sometimes when we have a song that we love and we want to play it, it's new, we want to play it for the audience, but we don't have a name. Well, sometimes then we ask the audience to help us. Oh, uh, so we had some names for this one. And then there was one guy who said, uh, to me, this is a uh, hundred years of joy and sorrow. Mm -hmm. And we felt directly. Wow, this is the name. And for us, it's, you know, life consists of many things and, and sometimes it goes up and down like this, or usually it goes up and down like this. And uh, we were thinking this name and the music made us think about, you know, everything you experience in a lifetime with joy and sorrow. And 100 years, it's quite a long life, but... Uh, one or two people's life is 100 years and a lot of joy and sorrow has been, been um, felt during that time. So the song is about the life. Excellent. I mean, it really feel like you, you captured it well. So that's, uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But all, all of your work is like that. <laughs> we, I try, we try. Mm -hmm. What are some of your inspirations in regards to uh, composing? I mean, I, I know one band that you like in particular, but um, I'm just kind of curious when it comes to, to writing your material, um, do you have a certain way that you, you approach it, a certain kind of mm, feel, or is it just what comes out, just based on how you know how to play? I think that it's so many things and so many musicians that has inspired me because I listen a lot to different kinds of music and I've been doing that since I was a, a small boy. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but I think that it's this, um, when it comes to the hurdy-gurdy to compose with my instrument, it's like this modal music oh, and yes. the contrary, this mar like more harmonic music but more what I like for me what I am uh, interested in and, and what I feel is a big thing of my expression personally and, and with my projects for sure is like modal music combined with uh, like um, what could you say pop harmonics or like more mm. I don't know how to say it in English mm -hmm. function harmonic sense. yeah <laughs> and uh, because I love uh, modal I love drones but I also love harmonics Mm -hmm. So it's uh, to, to play between the, the melodic language, uh, but also the harmonic uh, progression mm -hmm. and these things uh, combined. And then I compose for solo. I also compose with my colleagues in the bands that I play with. And what I like, I, I mean, it's amazing to compose solo and to play solo because it's... Um, 
somehow you are the master of everything. If you turn, if you play a solo show, for example, I can do something like that and it can change everything. And I am the only one who is responsible for that. And this is amazing. And um, it can also uh, be a big uh, challenge, of course. It is a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but when playing with musicians, it's so amazing that our, our common history and the people that we are, what we do together, you can really see it in the music. And if I compose, if I have a song, I, I, I try to compose something to bring to a rehearsal with Symbi or with Garisim, another of my bands. I compose for the people who are there and for what they play. Uh, you know, so so usually usually it doesn't work to take a song from one band and try it with another one. That, that <laughs> well, but it will not be like like that. But you understand. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Some of the people that are watching the show, maybe they don't know uh, a lot about modal music. So yeah. could, would you uh, explain a little bit the, the modal concept versus the, the tonal? Uh, concept? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, just to, to say it. In short, it's like modal music is more that you are uh, the how you um, what it's like more like based built, on melody. Right? right, the music is built on a mode, a mode, a scale, and how the melody is moving exactly. in this scale or in this mode. And usually, it's uh, played with drones. So you, for example, you have a D and you have a certain mode, a gum in French, a, a scale. Uh, and uh, depending on how the scale is, um, the combinations of intervals in the scale, well, mm-hmm. you get a certain expression, and, yeah. Uh, and it's the melody that is doing the, what should you say? The melody is um, driving the changes exactly, and the progression exactly. of the music. But when it comes to, uh, I say, when you use harmonies and you say tonal, my English, yeah, tonal is the word, I guess. I, I think eh? it's, it's yeah, the, right. like I, more more based on on chords exactly. and, and chord progressions and changes. yeah exactly when it com- when you use this um, I would say that the melody is getting affected by the chord pro- chords and the progression of the chords so the chords are actually driving the the melodic um, uh, development uh, so. That's I would say, to, is the big uh, difference, and what I love about this is to combine it because then you get. It, this is very interesting. Uh, this what you do is, is very interesting because uh, I, I saw it in, in your videos and in your mm-hmm. albums. Eh? The combination of of the, the the modal and a little bit of tonal because I see you yeah. you, you you use your capos a lot uh, during course, the yeah. during yeah. the piece to to go up from from yeah, C to D yeah. or, or or whatever. And it, I find it very interesting the, the combination mm-hmm. because. It's for me at least. It's not not simple to do. It's something that it takes a deep understanding of of the of the model eh? yeah, to to, I, to combine. Fantastic. I, yeah, and I think it's. I mean, with the hurdy it's limited, but it also gives some uh, amazing opportunities as exactly. an expression when you do those changes. And and yeah, like I play a lot with the bass strings and so on. Then you get this. Special, you can create the feeling of a bigger harmonic expression and harmony than, than that you actually have. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so, but then, I mean, uh, we have to give the honor also to, to my colleagues that I play with an accordionist, I play oh. with a bass player. I mean, they are doing a lot of the harmonic. It's there with me when we compose, but I cannot play all these things in my instrument. As you know, <laughs> you play the hurdy and everyone who listens does that too. So, yeah. So when you when you are playing together uh, with with an accordion, it sounds so 
flawless and, and easy and, and, and beautiful. Um, is it, is it hard then with the drones? I'm, I'm just curious cause I've never played with an accordion player. Um, is it hard or does it just work? Are you able to, to just make it happen? I think it works well and we experiment and I mean, depending on the, the song we have made and where we choose to go. I mean, I think, I mean, I know that it's a big change to have a bass tone or a drone. Uh, I mean, low as a bass or to have it high as a trumpet, for example. Mm -hmm. And for me, I want to have my trumpets often. So I always, but if you have a high, high C uh, and you play in a song which switches between uh, C and F and maybe even D or, you know, um, where, the, where the drone gets different, it's the first one or it's the third or it's the fifth or it's the fourth. It's a different thing if it's in the low bass. So, I mean, you can, you can see when we play with Symbio that uh, I often, we, we usually make a joke about this, that I never use my bass string traditionally. I just use it for other things. And then ah, yeah, like, like doing this, eh? yes, yes. One or two tunes where I put it on and then you have this massive, like, wow, now comes the drone one time in a concert, you know. Uh, but in other kinds of music, if I play with a bass player or if I play solo, then the possibilities are different. And I think the bass drone has another, uh, to, to have it on like that, like a, a continuous bass, bass is, uh, it's lovely. Right, right. When and you I, guys, I like the contrast, the changes. Yeah. Yes, of course. So. Well, I mean, that's the beautiful thing that I find with the hurdy gurdy is that whether you're playing on the trumpet or you're playing on drones or you're playing in different keys or capos, that in 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 the the duration of say you know a fifteen, thirty, forty five minute set. The, it sounds very different. Like it, mm. it, when I play guitar, I'm just playing guitar. The amplifier is loud, <laughs> and it sounds like rock and roll. But when you when you've got a hurdy gurdy going, when you when you switch between keys and put on different drones, it almost sounds like it, it just to me it sounds like you've gone on an adventure. Like there's there's different moods that you've been able to invoke, and it's not all the same well, instrument. Do you ever have that experience? Uh, I have had that experience, yes, but I would not say that it's something that is uh, obligatory with the instrument because I think many people can think that oh, hurdy-gurdy sounds like the same all the time, and it's like <laughs> drawn same key and da 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 da. And I mean, and that can be lovely too. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, the well, there is always a, a mix between this thing that I I love like music that is like minimalistic music or like transmit but but i also like the changes and mm -hmm. the different colors to be brought from the instrument uh, and used and uh, so i agree with you but yeah. it can be both ways and i think it's a bit same with the guitar right actually. yes i mean yeah. it depends a bit on the player and the the instrument and the yeah this the player and the instrument combined right um, what was the Hardy Gurdy your first instrument? Where, where did your musical path start? <laughs> the violin? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Tricky, tricky. Yeah, no, the Hardy Gurdy was not my first instrument. I started uh, playing violin. I think I touched the piano a little bit and then <laughs> I started to play the violin. And actually, I was, uh, I was more or less forced to start to play uh, music because my mother is a classical uh, piano player. Uh, for profession and for her life too uh, and uh, for her it was the most important thing that her children me and my sister my little sister uh, should be able to play music to have the opportunity to play and that was the classical school so I suddenly it was you have to choose an instrument like okay violin seems fun like and I had to go to the lessons to play violin classical music 
<laughs> and I just did that. And I think the teacher said that, yeah, yeah, you have a, you have a talent for this and like practice more and like that. And I think uh, um, I, I like music, but I never saw myself as a musician like that. And then when I was like Ooh. eight, nine years old, I started to listen to music a lot because always when I was at home, I heard my mother play these different things, uh, classical music or Armenian folkloristic music because she is Armenian. Uh, oh. And I also, my father was an historian, so um, he listened a lot to historical music, for example, medieval music. So I grew up with listening to this, you know, and I was interested in history, but yeah, so, and then I started to listen to, uh, you know, rap music or, or like more modern uh, mainstream music. And, and I just understood when I was nine years old that uh, music really touches me. And actually, when I have these headphones on, this is a really important moment for me to listen to this music and, and to be in this moment, this emotional moment with music that I like. It's actually a moment that is so important that I can choose to do this before other things. Uh, mm. you know? uh, so, but then when I was like uh, 14, uh, I saw the instrument, no, 13, I saw, I started to listen to more folk music um, and uh, I saw the instrument and I, I felt, I was interested in many folkloristic instruments, but this instrument it was special to me. I got to try it once uh, and I felt... Um, there was something in this instrument that was speaking to me. I felt like nice. that it was like maybe like this. This is how I. This is how I want to sound, or this right. is that, what that says is how I feel, or something like that. You know. But this was, you know, I mean, it was two thousand three, two thousand four. I mean, I didn't know any hurdy-gurdy players. Well, I knew that one, the one I met. <laughs> and it was like, you know, I was at a classical musical school. We played on quite high level, you know, but uh, hurdy-gurdy for the people in school. It was like the teacher was like, ah, that's some kind of, <laughs> of uh, I don't know. Does it have more than two notes? So I was like, um, you know, and it was also hard because you didn't knew any people who played. You didn't have an instrument. You know, it was not like today. I mean, it had exploded during the time I have played. It's, you know, so I, yeah, I was just like listening a lot. and started to listen to, I think actually I found the instrument and then I started to be more interested in folk music. So, and then, uh, well, so I was on a distance uh, watching, listening to this <laughs> instrument. And, and then I got an instrument um, like, because there was a, one guy, Leif Eriksson, making historical copies, you know, and this was the same kind of instrument as Stefan and Totte were using in Hedning and Eingarmana in that ah, time. Yeah, Totte. Inspiration, uh, you know, and I remember I got it and I loved it. I played a little and then I put it to the side. I put it, I remember I put it up on, um, you know, this uh, cupboard for books. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yes. You know, uh, a really high one. I put it there because I felt that I was so alone with this thing and, you know, I was young, I was 15, it was like no one in the school, I was playing music uh, in the school, but classical music and, you know, I felt that, well, this is maybe not something that I could do, it's not a real instrument, da, da, da. and I was also really interested in politics and history, I didn't think of myself as becoming a musician, but then suddenly I heard a recording and I felt really touched by this recording mm. and there was a hurdy-gurdy player here. And I felt, wow, with this instrument, as with other instruments, you can do this. 
you can create art, something, something that affects people. <laughs> so I can do this. And I took down the hurdy-gurdy. Oh, nice. And I started to play it. Um, and I started, and then I, then I was 16, I started to play. We started to create our first band, which is actually Garissim, which exists today still. And it feels lovely. And, you know, uh, yeah, it was very special because it's, you know, one has to travel somehow because you cannot go and just have the, the, the music teacher in the school, you know, to show you. And, but, and when I was 18, I felt that, okay, this is what I want to do. <laughs> and this is nice. 12 years ago now. And then I, I, okay. So, but the violin, the classical violin before, and also the recorder, I have played a lot of recorder because when oh, I was nice. 11 years old, I wanted to change. I wanted to play something else and I was interested in early music. So recorder was the mm -hmm. most ancient instrument in the school <laughs> because the hurdy-gurdy was not there yet. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Which, which was the album that, that you told us that, that the touched album, you? Yeah, the album? Yeah, the album. or? No, I, I, actually, the, this uh, I had all, I listened to a lot and I loved it. But actually, this one was... Uh, Lure is a Swedish uh, band playing traditional music, but they okay. they're playing modal uh, folk melodies acoustically with uh, yeah uh, bouzouki and double bass. So what we just talked mm. about, and there was one Polska like a Swedish uh, dance song that was wow. And the player was Harald Pettersson. He's not alive anymore. He died one year ago actually. Oh. Uh, Badly, but he was like the the old like he was the one playing hurdy gurdy who brought the hurdy gurdy into Swedish folk music. One of these guys, uh, and maybe the one who who was most um, yeah known for doing it in many years ago. Later, you you uh, we need, uh, you to, to to write us yeah. the, the name because yeah. we, I, I really I, I am really interested in in, in listening to that, that album. Really. <laughs> nice. I shiver every time I listen to this song because this song meant a lot to me. Cool. So. And uh, just uh, before we listen to another one of um, uh, Johannes's tunes, I'm curious, Sergio, um, do you consider uh, Symbio and um, the way Johannes plays, do you consider him to be easy listening hurdy-gurdy? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> in, in, inside, you joke all the time with the easy listening hurdy-gurdy, <laughs> but I, I, I think Johannes makes um, modern music easy listening. But it actually, I think it's complicated music, but at the same time, it's minimalistic. So this is very difficult to do. But <laughs> but, but yes, uh, somehow it's it's a, it's an easy uh, easy listening hardy uh, mm -hmm. music. Like if I put this track, uh, this track that we are going to listen yeah. to, my mom, she's going to like it. You yeah. know. <laughs> nice to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 an ongoing joke because you know, Sergio, yeah, he he thinks that I only like easy listening, hurdy gurdy, <laughs> and and I really love I love Symbio. <laughs> so Great. I want, so it's I want... easy for you to listen to Symbio. <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. I love that. No, but well, I think uh, talking about easy listening and more more esoteric music, I think it's always uh, you want to get people to. I mean, some of the music that I really love, when I heard it first time, I was like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And then I, I have to take some more time, I have to listen, and then suddenly, wow, this is Valentin Clastier. Mm -hmm. wow. You know, it takes time. And, uh, and 
but but you want things to be accessible but you also want to because we live in a society also where everything is going like this all the time you have one song you can click if you don't like the song after two seconds you can click to the next in spotify it's amazing like the the media bombardment that we have but sometimes you have to get something that you oh what is this okay i have to explore and yeah. then something starts you know and i mean this goes for music this goes for relations can be the same you know so um well that's what that's what I, that's what i i love about your music and again this rush is also one of my favorite bands um so uh, what, I, what i love about your music and also rush is that when you listen to it you can groove with it you can feel it you're thinking this is you know this is good i, I can play this but then you sit down and you try to learn it and oh. <laughs> you're like, what time signature is this? Uh, what is this person yeah, doing? Yeah. So what I love about your music is that it, it's so good to listen to. And, and as Sergio could say, someone who's not really, uh, you know, a hurdy-gurdy enthusiast will listen to it and say, that's amazing. And but when you sit down it. and you try to learn it, you're like, this is hard. <laughs> so that's why I have the issue with the, the easy listening, because it's easy listening, but it's not necessarily easy to play. <laughs> understand yeah well um one of the tracks that you had mentioned um that you are working on uh some some solo work and the track is a, a song for valentin is that correct yeah yeah this and this is, was so, so, go ahead tell, tell us about it uh, this is uh, just a, a live recording two years ago uh so it's uh, yeah it's I started out to work on a solo project some years ago and then uh, a lot of things happened in between uh, things in life and also that uh, we were happy to play and tour very intensively with Symbio and we really focused on doing that and also played a lot with my other bands and so on and then I was waiting to find really when it feels like right to work on something and to then release it and it will be this year that I record this actual solo album and this is music that I have composed for my instrument uh, hurdy-gurdy with a microphone so amplified but but acoustic with amplification without like the effect mm -hmm. um, and this song is, is uh, the first song that I wrote for this project actually and this is a song that has been with me for many years now and um, it's a song that I, I dedicated to Valentin Castilla, actually. So, because I, I was very inspired by him, uh, by his music and his, uh, as him as a person. So, yeah. let's have a listen then. So, this is a song for Valentin, and this is um, Johannes live. I believe it was February 2019 when this was that's, recorded. That's correct. Yeah, so here we go.
right. Welcome back to the second episode of season two of the Hurdy Gurdy Cafe podcast with Sergio Gonzalez and Johannes. Um, we just got done listening to a song called Song for Valentin. And you mentioned that this is, uh, was inspired by a Valentin Calastria, class correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We, we need him. We need him in the podcast. Season three, Valentin Calastria, please come. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be wonderful. He, he, yeah. He blows my mind in ways that I can't, <laughs> I, I would not call him easy listening. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but it's, it's nice because it, it's like completely the opposite thing of easy listening, but it's one of the uh, influences of Johannes. So it's, it's, it's fantastic how this mix and, 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 you know, and creates more, more music. It, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. No, me too. I, I've listened a lot to him. Have you have you had a chance to meet him and play with him, or uh, is are you just simply inspired by his music? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I I have met him and mm -hmm. I know him, so this is why I wanted to make a song for him. Mm -hmm. um, so first time I heard Valentine Clastier, I was in a, a library, like Stockholm Library, City okay. Library. I went and I it was in this age, like fifteen, when I found the Hurdy Gurdy, and and I asked them, oh, do you have something with Hurdy Gurdy? Well, we have this one, LP, you know, this, oh. this 1982, uh, Le Grand Maître de la Vie à la Roue. Um, okay, I, uh, then you, you got headphones and you could go and you listen. And this was, you know, the acoustic album, which was a totally like uh, avant-garde and like breakthrough mm -hmm. or hurdy-gurdy, technically, musically, everything. And I listened to this and I was like, I cannot believe that this is a hurdy-gurdy because, Ugh. you know, in that time, YouTube, uh, YouTube existed, but, uh, but Facebook, all this, and, and it has developed a lot, you know, um, I haven't heard something like this before, you know, <laughs> but I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. And still it was weird. It was spe like, you know, uh, and then many years, some years later, uh, when I was uh, um, 20 years old, I got to meet him and I'm very happy for that. And uh, I met him several times afterwards. He became a very good friend and, and big inspiration for me to meet him and to, to get to know more about his philosophy, about the hurdy-gurdy and uh, about his technique, of course, you know, so it inspired me deeply. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. He, he's he's a great a great great master. So uh, you, uh, now we are talking about people that uh, you got influenced by. Uh, are there uh, more names in your list? Yeah, there are there are more names. So really, <laughs> some there are so many different people that have inspired me. But I, I guess you are wondering about the Gurdy players. Yes, 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 we are geek geek uh, yeah, yeah. a geek podcast. Yes, <laughs> that's great. That's great. Uh, no, but Valentin, for sure, absolutely. Uh, I, I would say that di different players ha has um, inspired me during different stages of my okay. life. But there are some that still inspire me, and and you know that. So I maybe mention them first. And yeah, Valentin, absolutely, and um, uh, Matthias Leubner, I think, Ooh. has really very much uh, inspired me as a player. I, I think. Very much. And uh, also Herman Diaz. 
You are maybe the, really the, the, the tops, eh? Yeah, <laughs> he seems to be everyone's favorite. They, they are well, the tops. Yeah. <laughs> to me, they are absolute tops. Yeah, so, and, um, but also other, I mean, Gregory Jolivier inspired when I was 20, 21. I mean, much, very much inspired by that. I mean, for different things, because these people do different things. Mm -hmm. So Gregory inspired for some things, you know, the others for some things. Well, other players, Sebastian Tron, I like. This is a player that doesn't get the attention that he, he should have because he's one of, for me, one of the best players. Sebastian Tron, uh, Romain Badouin. Oh. I love these people. I love these guys and I have had the opportunity to meet them. So they are also friends mm -hmm. to me, but friends and masters and people that I appreciate and people that inspire me still, and they inspire me a lot. So, well, I mentioned some names there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, one of the questions I'm curious about, well, actually, there's a few things, and someone posted on Facebook uh, a question, we'll start with that one, related to uh, your instruments. So okay, this cool. was yeah, from, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this was from uh, Sam Riffle. She asked, what are the major differences between your uh, Weichel Balmer tenor and your the current model that you're using, the, the Rebolo? Mm. Wow, that's a big topic. A and, question. Uh, <laughs> you say, um, I would say that uh, to me, uh, comparing these two instruments, I would say that the Reboyu uh, is um, has a more deep sound, like more lower sound, more power in the low frequencies. Uh, and I think that the tenor that I played before had more brilliance was more powerful in the brilliant areas. Hmm. Um, and then uh, somehow uh, this Weichselbaumer instrument has more, has, has this like a little bit more of the brilliance, hmm. uh, but it has, I think that the Reboyo has a little bit um, less for me, in, like, I, I don't know which word to use, but like, um, the keys are very silent, for example. Okay. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. So, I mean, I've I never... Think, uh, nice instruments, I think, for me, uh, good dynamics. Uh -huh. I like... Oh, yes. I mean, I, I really like the dynamics of the instrument I have. So we are talking about your, uh, your, these two instruments, uh, the, the Reboyo and the Michael Bomber. But yeah. you and you told us already that you uh, own an instrument by Leif Eriksson. So uh, we <laughs> can you tell us uh, uh, which Gurdis have you owned? Now I'm curious. <laughs> I can say I don't own this Gurdi anymore because when uh, yes, I yes, was I changing, when I was uh, when I bought my first tenor, I had to sell the other one to, yes, to pay yes. it. So I don't own this. But I no, I have only two Gurdis. I have uh, my Reboyo uh, tenor uh, that I played that I'm developing now together with Jaime. The instrument is with him now, and this is really interesting. Um, so I played this since one and a half year, so it's quite new. So, um, but I'm looking forward to do my first like real recordings with it now in this year mm -hmm. when I get it back uh, from Spain where it's now. Uh, I also have a small uh, Allegro five-stringed instrument from Wolfgang oh, Weisselwammer. Yes. And this is uh, a second-hand instrument that I bought. And uh, for a small Gurdi, I love this instrument. It's so nice. It really has 
a small instrument, but with the full soul, I would say. Uh, so for this, I, I, I have it as, I, I have actually borrowed it to people who want to play hurdy-gurdy sometimes. <laughs> it's so nice to have a quite good instrument to give to someone who wants to try or, you know. Uh, and then I play some for fun, a little bit of Baroque uh, things, uh, oh, yes. uh, just because it's perfect, the scale and mm. for that and sometimes just uh, practicing on it but every time i do it i feel oh i love the sound i love this sound <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um what's the scene like for symbio i mean when you're when you're when you can actually play and you're you're doing your tours and uh recording and so on uh, how often do you play and, and and where where is your where is your main swath of uh touring usually happen you said you made it to the u.s once was that to play music or was that just a visit no, no, that was to play music. Okay. <laughs> right now, we don't have a scene, really. I right, don't know right. who has a scene right now. Yeah. Uh, not a live scene, but... Uh, no, but we have been lucky to play. We have been playing a lot in Sweden and Scandinavia. We've been yeah. touring, playing in 20 different countries in Europe, and some of them we have been visiting many times. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I think we have been a lot in Germany, Benelux countries, for example, but we have also been in France and Spain, and we have uh, we have a two week tour in France coming up. But let's see if it will be on or not. Right. Uh, I pray. And um, yeah, we have been in US once. <laughs> so actually, the idea was to we were working on a tour for September now. But uh, I mean, you know the situation in the world right now. Everything mm. is postponed, and let's see. <laughs> uh, so, but. Yeah. And and for you for you is that mainly with Symbio because you mentioned the other bands that that you play yeah. with too. I I play with Symbio maybe now we play maybe 75% of all the things I do is with Symbio. And then I also play in a trio called Garisim and we okay. will release a new EP soon here in March I think. Um and uh, then I also I play with my Kauhanen a project like a Kantala player lovely Kantala player from Finland. And I have the solo project. I play with the uh, recorder player, and yeah, but but mainly I I do the symbio thing. And I think there is a reason for that. It's simple to work as a duo. Uh, we and we both of us lives in this live in the same town, and that's mm. actually the the only person that I have a, a band with that lives in the same town as me. But I mean, I get many things. Just as with the people I play, I love to play with my colleague Lars Emil. And but we we were lucky to have a lot of concerts. But we have been working hard also. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, so, <laughs> um, so one of the questions I'm curious about, and we, we've chatted uh, over uh, in Facebook a little bit uh, related to this. So, do you think it's possible to actually play a Rush song on the Hurdy Gurdy? And Ooh. if so, which one would you choose? I, I have the top three that I would pick, but I'm wondering and, what, well, <laughs> I'm wondering well, what maybe, you think. Maybe for the listeners, we should tell that. I, I, I don't know how many people are familiar with Rush. It's it's uh, like... A, what do you mean? Uh, they're like an awesome... Everyone knows exactly. who Rush is, right? Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is that uh, this is uh, like an art rock band, you could say, uh, uh. 40 years together. Uh, amazing band uh, and for me one of my favorite bands but actually I found out about this band just one and a half year ago no for real July, July 2019 <laughs> uh, I have never you know I was going to this classical 80s rock song and then there come there comes a song in the headphones and I was like 
what is this? This progression of chords is not the usual one. This is something more. I love yeah. this. Yeah. And then the voice came and I was like, is this a man or a woman singing? <laughs> I love that this is what I feel then when I hear it. And then uh, I think I, I've been less, listening to this band more than one year in a row every day because there was one day there was suddenly something that I haven't done today. Ah, oh, I have not been listening to the band. <laughs> and it was more, you know. uh, if you can play one of the songs, uh, I, I, you can play with, you can play one of the songs, of course, but I yeah. mean, uh, you cannot play all the parts. Right. But absolutely. Uh, some songs, there are some different ones. There is one that I really like because it's, uh, the name is Between the Wheels. And we okay. like wheels. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, and mm -hmm. this song also has amazing guitar solo. And I love the lyrics of this band. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear it. I, I've tried to play YYZ on the Hurdy Gurdy. Cool. And uh, I think I made it like 45 seconds in. And I thought, well, maybe I'll. <laughs> maybe I'll I will quit. try. I will try one day. <laughs> Good. Well, let's have an, and listen to another one of the tracks that you mentioned, um, uh, Hive. And this is uh, a recording with David Lombardi and Tad Sargent. So these are a, a fiddle and a bazooki player, correct? Exactly. And Bo Boran playing also. Oh, okay. He play, plays Boran also. Okay. And uh, which is which? Which one is, is the fiddle and which one is the, the bazooki? Is Tad the bazooki player? Yes, that's... That's exactly that. And David is violin player. And this song was, we had, David is an old friend and they wanted me to come over because they live in the UK, mm -hmm. uh, even if David or is originating from Italy, and to make something together. So we met, we met for two and a half day, I think, and we didn't have anything or we had ideas with us. For example, I brought some ideas with me and we created this song and then we recorded it and yeah, that was two years ago, so. Okay, well, let's have a listen. This is Hive.
So we're back again at the Hardy Gurdy Cafe podcast with Sergio Gonzalez and Johannes. And we just got done listening to um, the tune Hive. And can you tell us just about the name of the tune? I'm curious. I've always okay. wondered about this. Oh, I, I knew this question would come. <laughs> I didn't know what to call it, you know. And then Hive, uh, I'm not sure, but it's, you know, with bees uh-huh. where they live. Isn't it called Hive? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and the the um, uh, Buzuki player, the Boran player, he said that. Yeah, but you know, I'm always thinking about bees when I hear this. <laughs> so Hive would be a good name. Yeah. So. Well, it's a beautiful track, and uh, thank it's, you so it's much. A, it's a wonderful arrangement of it. Um, so as we're moving towards the end of our, our time together, I'm always curious, you know, players like you just blow my mind. Um, when you first got started and you were learning to play, uh, how, did, how did you approach learning? How did you approach learning the instrument and how did you approach even, even getting to the trompet? What was, your, what was your routine like in that regard? Do you remember? I think for me, it has been a lot to... There are so many levels of this, yeah. you know, uh, for me to try to, to feel comfortable with the instrument and to find, but with the hurdy it's so much about adjustments. Oh, yes. I mean, it's, uh, I know all the players have been working very hard with adjusting their <laughs> instruments and how important it is. Um, and in the beginning, when you start to play, you, you just have this anxiety because something happens and, you know, and dryness and all the things. So it takes time to really find. I learn. I think that many, many, I mean, I can adjust a lot of things and especially with the instruments that I know, but I learn things all the time. Still, I do that. And I think that's amazing because I think for just five years ago, I would have thought that ah, now I know, I mean, not in a cocky way at all, but like, I, I wouldn't think that I could get so surprised by understanding new things that I, if I do like this, you know, with the Gurdy, sometimes it's magic involved almost because you're like, this shouldn't be the way to fix this. But now it was. And we just say thank you. It just works. Eh? <laughs> it just works. And, you know, uh, no, but I think it's important to play music that you like because you have to enjoy to play. And then there are a lot of different methods and things that you can do. Absolutely. I mean, and for me, it's everything from playing. For me, I have played quite a, a bit of different uh, uh, genres, styles of music, and also to focus on different things and how to combine, to combine them. And inspiration, I think uh, inspiration is important. And for mm-hmm. me, inspiration was a lot. I mean, I learned so much from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was younger. And I think people do that today, too. Um, uh, to see someone that makes something that you want to do, uh, then you know that it's possible. So you have to find your way for how to do it. And then you can be extremely lucky to actually meet this person or someone else who can tell you a method of how to do it or can help you a lot, of course. And that's really... Or share with other people who plays. I mean, that's really valuable. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. But well, learning what, an instrument, I mean... What, what were you, what were you, when you started, you know, you said uh, to, to play what you like, and I, I, I hardly agree with that. What were you playing along with, or what, because I, when I listen to what you play, 
I don't, I don't think that sounds like any other kind of music hurdy gurdy wise that I've heard. So I'm kind of curious, what were you mm -hmm. learning on? What kind of tunes were you learning on? Uh, I think for I have different like stages in my life. Like first for Hedningarna Garmana, this like folk, folk um, rock thing mm -hmm. that I learned all the tunes to the CDs and like, and then uh, then I had then there came new players and I saw wow this and then I start to learn all the tunes from Nigel Eaton. Oh, now comes. Uh, Gregory Jolivier, you know, and then like Anna comes Valentin. Oh, I cannot learn all the songs from him, but I can learn some songs. <laughs> and, you know, uh, and yeah, so, but I think I have been listening to other kinds of music too. And I think one thing, I can say one thing that has been important for me. And that is when I saw the Hurdy, when I started the Hurdy Gurdy, I saw other players who played Hurdy Gurdy and they played something else too. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I noticed a little bit that uh, this is nothing. I love uh, uh, people who play many instruments. I love Efren Lopez, for example, who is one of the most amazing musicians that I know about. Uh, but what I noticed was that uh, when they played something that seemed a little bit hard to play on the hurdy-gurdy or not just like made for the hurdy-gurdy, they put it away and they took another instrument. And mm. I felt directly, I don't want to do that because for me, I feel this instrument has so many voices. I, I was so attached to the instrument that I felt that I want to find ways to speak with it for different things. So I decided that I will not put down the hurdy-gurdy. I will use it. I will find a way to do it. And that has been very, I think for my path, it has been something that I go with all the time that I, I somehow find and I try to imitate other instruments or I, you know, uh, try, try to search for a technique that makes it diff uh, um, uh, possible to play something that maybe you thought could not be played with the hurdy-gurdy. Right. And to me, it's this is also to, um, to, to find the balance to embrace what, what is the sound of the hurdy-gurdy, what are the possibilities in the hurdy-gurdy, uh, what was the instrument made for, you know, all these things, uh, to combine that with what are the weak points of this instrument. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is a value in this anyhow, because for me, it's like to embrace the things that are great. For example, there is no other instrument that can play the trumpet mm -hmm. and or drones or play continuously or like thrills is very easy on the hurdy-gurdy. But then there are other things that is more, uh, well, this is not really for hurdy-gurdy. Well, but it's an expression too. Mm -hmm. and for me, I want to ex embrace that expression because there is something in that that can be something touching because yeah. it's the hurdy-gurdy saying it. What I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, you're talking about things the hurdy-gurdy can't, can't do, or, or it's a weakness of the hurdy-gurdy is, does anything in particular come to mind that you, you've, you remember thinking, yeah, this is something that I, it feels like it, the hurdy-gurdy might not be able to pull off real well. Well, to play different harmonies. Well, harmonies, yeah. And mm -hmm. the thing like switch drones, like this, if you have a piano, you can just jump like that. Right. Uh, but I also think that, um, well, it, it's about the dyna dynamics of the Dynamic instrument. Dynamic is very hard on, on the starts in this like zero to hundred percent of volume in an instrument, like a bow, you can just attach the bow and start, and then you can put on more pressure. In a hurdy-gurdy, we need a certain kind of pressure to get the, to the strings sounding, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's more like zero to, 10% or it depends on the instrument, of course, but I would say 
for all instruments, all hurdy-gurdies, uh, this zero to 10%, it doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can play something, you can play on the sympathetic string, so you can play like a little, like, but when it comes to playing the melody strings, mm -hmm. really, um, I think. And then, uh, of course, with the drop wheels, and which are amazing, but it's not the same because you put it down and just, just from the same um, setting of the instrument, you don't have this starting dynamics in the same way. Uh, so yeah. when thinking uh, yeah. of a bow, it's a difference there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes but sense. Some, some I, things are easier too, you know, so. Mm -hmm. I think I think the, the dynamics on the on the Hardy Gardy, at least for me and, and, and for how I see the instrument are always on the on the right hand because we we have the the a uh, big dynamic possibility on the on the dog. I I really like how how Herman uh, plays uh, the dynamics yeah. on the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can go like from to really gong gong. So yeah, this is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I I I think the instrument really has dynamics, but the dynamics are a bit like this, not only like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trumpet is one sound. The melody is one sound, and then you. But for me. Absolutely, the dynamics have been very important and something that I really try to strive for when I play. It's, it's important for me and also my choice of instruments have mm -hmm. gone that way that I went. Because, I mean, there are also great, amazing players who are not very dynamic players, uh, you know, so it doesn't have to be... You know, right. Right. Well, I appreciate you describing, uh, talking about um, when uh, a player might play multiple instruments and when it doesn't quite get right with the hurdy-gurdy, they, they go pick up another instrument. I mean, I've noticed that. And, and, and in my own life, playing mandolin and tenor banjo and guitar, what I always hated was when I played in bands, I always had to carry around a tenor banjo, a guitar, a mandolin, <laughs> my amplifier. It drove me crazy. And so when I started playing the hurdy-gurdy, I decided... I'm not playing anything else. If I can't make it work on the hurdy-gurdy, <laughs> tough. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear someone else say that too. <laughs> Lovely. And, and uh, just to remind, uh, this is, I mean, we are different as musicians. Uh -huh. Some people are these musicians that oh, yeah. want to, I, I use this to play this, or if I want to play this, I play a flute, or if I want to be, you know, they have many legs to stand on, and that's amazing. And right. I think it's just the difference. For me, it's, and you, I, I like to play some other instruments just for fun and, you know, like, but for me as an artist now, it's the hurdy-gurdy is my voice and I feel that somehow it became my way. And right. uh, yeah, for me, it, it's like that. Yeah, excellent. Um, well, Sergio, do you have any final questions for uh, Johannes before we listen to our final track for the day? Yes, Please. I have a question about the... Uh about studios okay about the uh, how how you record on the studio mm -hmm. because i really like your uh, i really like the sound you get uh, in your in your recordings and i was wondering uh, if you have any special tips uh, for recording because I, I i've seen you using uh, a lot of ribbon mics and and this and it, yeah, it's interesting for me yeah. Do you have any tips? Yeah, the, the sad thing is that I, I am not the expert to help you with. To help <laughs> you here. I, I was just happy to work with some people who were doing good, you know, good sound. But I think for me, what I search for in instrument when I record a hurdy-gurdy is to have a good quality of the internal mics, the mic system. Ooh. Because the way I play this instrument is using the, 
very many different sounds and some sounds doesn't have a really high volume acoustically. Okay. So I need a pickup to put up this sound. You know, I play the bass, pizzicatos, it sounds like an electric bass or double bass. It doesn't sound like that acoustically. Mm-hmm. It's something, you know. So, and the same to always have the melody present and to, you know. So this is important to mix the internal mics with a good external microphone. It can be one, but I mean, if you prefer, it can be more. Preferably, it can mm-hmm. be more microphones. And where you place them, of course. But for example, when we do the, the sound of Symbio, uh, my good friend, Lars Emil, he is a sound technician too. And he is, uh, he is making the mixing of our mm-hmm. albums, for example. So we do it together, like listening, how do we want it? But he's the one who knows how to... Of course. You know, yeah. Uh, and also when I play with others, I... Yeah, someone else is doing the mixing, mm-hmm. and, but it's very important and it can be really different. And for yes. me, it's to find the balance of this acoustic and a bit electric. Uh, Do you usually record together uh, with yes. Simbi? Oh, ah, it's, it's a live, live recording, I, eh? I, I record everything that I do live, I would say more or less. It's yes. fantastic, fantastic. I, I think it's. Yeah, you can do it in many ways, but you want to find uh, Ah, there, something happened because we're playing together. But it can be great to just add things that can be amazing too. But we have done it in that way that we play together. Nice. Well, that brings up a question I have. When you you do play live, um, your sound setup, do you use many uh, pedals or uh, you just pretty much straight in? No, we have an idea or I have an idea and we have in Symbio and on the other bands that everything that we, or, or let's take Symbio because it's the one that I play the most with. And until now, we had the idea that everything we do, we want to be able to do it live. So all the things that you hear in the Symbio album, you will hear it live, you know, because that's somehow because, I mean, looping and these things, I like it too, and it's interesting, but there is, uh, uh, because we, I think we play our instruments, accordion is also a bit a traditional instrument, we play them in a way that most people feel, wow, I never knew that you can play the hurdy-gurdy or the accordion like this, and then I want to say that, yeah, but I can do it, and I don't need to loop <laughs> things to be able to do it, there's nothing wrong with that, not at all, but I, you know, we want to see what, the basis that it was me and Lars Emil, our stories and our acoustic instruments, Okay, we need the mic. We have really good mic systems. We need them to get out a big sound to the audience. But from, that, from there, we want to be able to do the things. And that's also, you said something about easy listening. Yeah, a bass line can be easy listening. But if you need to play a bass line while you play a melody on the hurdy-gurdy, that's not Ooh. the easiest thing. But it right. becomes maybe easy listening. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm totally fine and happy with that. But to, to have the challenges you know, how you, for when you're playing, to have a challenge. Uh, and also, w- what we use is reverbs, and mm-hmm. we also, Lars Emil uses uh, his stomp box, and we have, we're working on the third album that will re- be released later this year, um, and then we are working with some more, like, digital stomp boxes, mm-hmm. uh, but, yes. Excellent. Great. Well, before we finish up and listen to our final track for the day, there was one more comment uh, from the mm. Hurdy Gurdy Community Facebook page, and it's okay. from Christian Moore Levison. And oh. uh, he says, hopefully I pronounce it correctly, Shana, Shana? TG. Shana, that's hello. 
Okay. Or <laughs> <laughs> like, hi we, there. <laughs> we need Christian here as well. Christian, yes. come Love to the that. podcast. <laughs> Great. So the final track we're going to listen to is, uh, let's see, this is another live track, uh, Rising. Yeah. Cor- mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, okay. So this. And what can you tell us about this track before we, uh, we well, go? Well, I can tell you that this is the title track of our album Rising, which is the most recent album that I have made with my projects. Mm-hmm. And it's from 2018. And it's our second album. And this song, uh, we have composed it. And uh, to rise, the, the verb to rise, um, uh, the, the idea of this song is that, uh, again, we think of the life and uh, how it can be and sometimes the life can be really hard mm-hmm. and you know we experiencing people die so, and uh, you maybe don't know sometimes maybe you lose the grip mm-hmm. of like because i mean we we appreciate life mm-hmm. and to be here and especially us who lives in this part of the world i mean we get to play this funny instrument and to go down in that and we have food on the table and there is no bombs coming right now you know we are really gifted right so, and there are so many things to get touched by and to experience in the life. It's wonderful to be alive, but sometimes it can also be hard. And that's normal, as we said, joy and sorrow. Uh, but sometimes maybe someone gets into a, a place in their life where, where they feel that they, they have lost this contact with feeling the joy of being alive. And it can be a really hard time. Yeah. But I know that you have seen, and me too, people going through so difficult things in their lives with maybe a lot of pain and sorrow and yet they somehow manage to get back uh, to life and to to feel that well the life is uh, uh, precious and I'm grateful for being alive and for all the things that I can do or for the people that are here uh, in my life um, so this is a reminder to everyone who is in the, in that hard situation where where, it's, where they are struggling with life, that, okay, it's hard right now, but remember that it can get better, and, and hopefully it will get better. And there are other people here around you who want to help you if you maybe um, dare to ask for help, because we need each other. I think in this COVID situation, we understood this uh, more than anything before, that, wow, we, we can be strong alone. I know that from my life. One can be really strong alone, but... Usually we are stronger together and we need each other because it's hard to stand alone all the time. And um, I, I also work a little bit with like voluntary things regarding like um, people who are having like mental illness or like who are struggling. So I know that from this time of the year, many people have had a hard time. So I hope that the situation will get more stable and that we can get back out there to be to not have this social distance uh, and to actually understand better how important we are for each other as friends as family of course i think we all understood that but i think just the meetings with a person that you maybe meet only one time or that you meet in the supermarket that these things can have an impact you you and your behavior to others have an impact and can have a bigger impact in their lives that then you maybe understand and this for me this is uh, gives me a lot of hope and now i have been talking a long time but this song rising is yeah for everyone to rise and to have some power and comfort for their fantastic 
I, I, I appreciate the description uh, because, you know, even in my own life, discovering mm. the hurdy-gurdy and your music, it, it was a, a very pivotal healing thing. So I just want you to know that you're, you're doing your job. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. And, and this is the best salary that one who, who is doing art, for me at least, can have. That it, it made a difference because I know the, the I talked about these lovely players. I want to mention all their names again that inspired me and a lot of other musicians and people who, who inspired me. And I'm so grateful for that. And, and wow, if I can do that to someone else, uh, I'm very yeah. happy. Yeah, thank well, thank you. you. Well, thank you for being here today, um, Johannes. Thank you for being here, Sergio. It was a wonderful podcast and look forward to the future. Thank you so much. It was really for awesome. me, a, a big pleasure to be with you guys. And you created this nice um, atmosphere that we have. and. Uh, Good luck for the rest of the podcast and, and <laughs> greetings to everyone out there. Yes. Let's have a listen to Rising Live.
Wow, amazing shirt. Oh, you have a new shirt. 